You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, there are several things I want to get to. However, we got to finish what we started. That's just how this all works, unless I decide it's not how it works. But in this case, that's how it works. So for those of you that are uh, new here or missed out on the uh, last episode, we went through Sports Info Solutions, also known as SIS. Not their back-end stuff, but just sort of the, the, the I guess, front-end. I don't know. Something that you can just go to right now. Actually, it's very simple. Just go to nfldraft.sportsinfosolutions.com forward slash nfl-draft forward slash leaderboards forward slash. And then you could, for example, uh, type in defensive-tackle dash five dash tech and we will all be uh on the same page actually i'm on the wrong one we got to go to nose tackles first because they actually differentiate that is the one thing that i find very annoying although actually they do have edge here so this is fine but on the on the back end it's like uh they do that whole defensive tackle defensive end linebacker thing and there is no edge category and edges can be defensive ends or linebackers dude it's it's defensive line edge linebacker okay that's the differentiation if you're not up to that standard right and if you want to further differentiate fine but don't blend them don't you have to have an edge category if you want to say nose tackle uh defensive tackle edge you know mike will whatever like awesome do it you can you know slot corner boundary corner man zone box safety free safe like do it do it up but don't go the wrong direction where you're just saying i don't know defensive end and linebacker and that's dumb that's so like who still does that sis apparently but not on this uh leaderboard thing so anyways and the reason i want to go through this is because it's it's good to look at some of the statistics here some of these sort of more um high-end statistics granular statistics i can't think of words today i don't know what i'm trying to say advanced analytics and see which guys stand out and we've already seen several instances in which the statistics don't necessarily line up with what we're seeing on these big boards now that doesn't mean that the big boards are wrong they could absolutely be right and the statistics could end up being misleading but some of them 
are still important. For example, if you look at quarterbacks and we're looking at statistics like yards and touchdowns and even points added, because that's really just a function of how successful your offense is, you could be ignoring all of the, um, you know, the system. If, if it's not really an NFL style system or whatever, then you're going to have to reteach them some things, you know, whatever. However, accuracy is accuracy. So <laughs> some of these statistics are what they are no matter what. If you can't throw an accurate pass, you can't throw an accurate pass. But anyways, the other thing is to really try to find and highlight those names that we're not hearing quite as often, just to kind of give us some new targets to look at. Um, Sometimes that'll happen, sometimes it won't. As far as nose tackle, there's obviously significantly less players to look at. There's only seven that they have listed here because it's a pretty small category. It's those uh, defensive tackles that are big and not really expected to rush the passer. That's not really true or fair, but that's how I'm going to view it. Because <laughs> you're 330, your job is to clog up areas and tackle and push people and stuff. But anyways, if we're looking at the consensus big board, Mozzie Smith is like the dude. Jalen Carter, Kalijah Cansey, and Brian Brzee are all in the defensive end category. There's more, more of the like what you would expect from most defensive tackles. you got to stop the run. You, we definitely want you to be a good pass rusher, if at all possible, but not nose tackles. So Mozzie Smith, who is a potential first-round pick, is that dude for sure. And SIS doesn't necessarily disagree. In fact, if I had to pick somebody that was at, at the top, it would be Mozzie Smith. Total points overall, he's that dude. Points per game, he's that guy. Um, then they go into pass rush. He's second in pass rush points number one in per game, uh, tied for number one in sack EPA per game, which I don't even know what that means. I guess just like third down sacks or something. I don't don't know. Uh, When you get down to pressures, which they have as a separate category, he is number two in pressure rate, 7%. And I I know we all go, or if you listen to the show, we focus on 10%, but SIS is different. Their percentages are just different. So I don't know what the SIS thing is, but I kind of think 7% might not be that bad. I'm really not sure. They just have lower percentages. They, they um, don't count as generously as a, a PFF does, I guess. But um, true pressure rate, they have them second. Quick pressure rate, second. Pressure share, number one. Pressures per game, number one. Uh, and then run defense, he's also pretty dominant. Total points, he's in, as far as run defense per snap, he's number one. Uh, run defense, total points per game, number one. And I think that's about it. So, yeah, he's, he's probably top dog. The next guy on the consensus big board is Siaki Ika. I think that's how you say his name. I don't know. He probably is number two. He is number two in total points. Top guy in uh, pass rush. Third overall in pressure points. Fourth out of seven, so kind of mediocre as far as a run defense and tackling. So more of a pass rushing nose tackle, if that makes any sense at all. And that's all the consensus big board has inside of the top 100. The next highest would be Jacqueline Roy at 125 and then Keandre Coburn at 168. And um, I think the guy that I really want to highlight here is Keandre Coburn. Um, Not going to be talked about as much, but he's actually really quite high on several of these metrics, especially in terms of pass rush. He is number two in, or uh, tied for second in holds drawn behind Jacqueline Roy. Then you get into pass rush, uh, third behind Siaki Ika and Mozzie Smith, who are the two top 100 guys. 
Per game, same. Sacks per game, tied for number one. Sack EPA per game, tied for number one with Mozzie Smith. Passes deflected, he's number three behind Siaki Ika and Jackson Player, both Baylor guys. Then you get into pressures. Number one in pressure rate at 8%. Number one in pressure rate above expected. Interestingly enough, um, as you would probably expect, nose tackles are pretty low in the above or below expected. Because in these situations, a defensive tackle would be expected to kind of get a pressure here. But because you're a big, giant, not super great pass rusher, all except two are negative. Siaki Ika, negative 0.1. Mozzie Smith, negative 1.4. Jackson Player, negative 1.9. Robert Cooper, negative 4.1. PJ Mustafer, negative 4.2. The two guys that are positive, Jacqueline Roy, 0.4% above expected. And then Keandre Coburn, 2.7% above expected. So as a pass rusher, he's kind of on another level as far as nose tackles go. True pressure rate, he's number one at 9% above Mozzie Smith. Quick pressure rate, number three behind Siaki Ika and Mozzie Smith. Pressure share, he's number three between Jacqueline Roy and Mozzie Smith. Pressure rate per game, number two behind Mozzie Smith. Run defense, he's not quite as good, but he's still got several pretty high metrics. For example, he's just he's number three in run defense, uh, just total points per snap, behind P.J. Mustafer and Mozzie Smith, which is impressive. He's number one in tackles for a loss per game, which is what you would expect from the pass rushing type, right? This guy, by the way, 6'1", 332. I, I had to check and look because it's like, did they misclassify him and he's like a 295-pound guy? Nope, 6'1", 332. Built like a meatball. So not the greatest run defender, but you're, t- you're looking at tackles for a loss. He's the number one guy because he's getting upfield, getting after the quarterback, and catching those running backs behind the line of scrimmage would be my guess anyways. So, I mean, if you're looking to shore up the uh, run defense, Mozzie Smith would be phenomenal. But if you're looking for, you know, more of a pass rush type, Keandre Coburn, especially if you're not getting the top guys, um, that would be the guy to kind of keep an eye on. Moving on to the defensive tackles. Everybody believes Jalen Carter is top dog, and that's not even close. However, um, he's not really at the top of pretty much any of these lists, um, which doesn't really surprise me because this is not, I don't know, it just it just doesn't surprise me. I'm not going to sit here and slander Jalen Carter, but a little bit I've watched, I kind of just, I don't want to say I shrug because he's not good. That's not the case. I just don't see what I see in a lot of these guys that your jaw just freaking drops. But anyways, out of uh, 12 uh, guys in terms of total points, you would expect him by far to be number one with a 99-point uh, thing. He's not. He's tied for second with Yaya Diaby. Number one is Moro Ojomo. So the first guy I would highlight is Yaya Diaby, but he's it's one of those weird college things where he's this tiny, you know, edge rusher type that shouldn't be a defensive tackle, but on this team there's a bunch of tiny defensive tackles, and so he's going to be an edge rusher, so how much stock do we want to put in him compared to defensive tackles kind of thing, but I guess it's worth noting that he is very high on these lists. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to go through the whole list, but if you're interested, he is like number 1 in in like especially pass rush. But again, he's an edge rusher being compared to defensive tackles. Even though he did it on the inside, so it's kind of impressive and whatever. I don't know, whatever. What I would point out, though, 
on top of the fact that Jalen Carter is not, I mean, he's, he's, you know, maybe one of the top guys, if not the top guy on these lists, but not as much and not as dominant as you would expect from a guy who is clearly heads and tails above everybody. I mean, he's, he is potentially a number one, like the best guy in this draft class, arguably, right? And he's falling because of his off-the-field stuff. But in terms of talent, you would expect him to be just miles ahead of everybody. It's not really the case. Again, he's behind Moro Ojomo in just overall quality. <laughs> Points per game, he's fourth, and this is out of 12. Uh, holds drawn, he's tied for sixth. Pass rush, he's sixth. Pass rush per game, he's fifth. Sacks per game, he's ninth. Sack EPA per game out of 12, he's 11th. Passes deflected, tied for third. Pressure rate, plus or minus, uh, expected, eighth. Quick pressure rate, fourth. Now you get into run defense and tackling. He is number one overall, so that's cool. But, I mean, you take a guy that high, he should be an elite pass rusher. I will say, though, his true pressure rate, he's tied for number one with Lucas Van Ness, another guy that's an edge rusher, but... But they have sort of a true pass set kind of thing, similar to what PFF has. Um, they classify theirs as pressure rate that isolates straight dropbacks, which are more likely to be similar across situations. But I was just surprised to see that it was somewhat even competitive. Something else to keep in mind. Um, Brian Brzee. Now, he, he does very well in some categories. There's no doubt about it. But in terms of total points rating per play, just overall, call it the PFF grade, right? 99 is the top guys. Moro Ojomo's top with 96. Um, then you get down into the 80s. You have, uh, again, Lucas Van Ness is a pass rusher, so he shouldn't be on this list, but Jalen Redmond and whatnot. Then you get down into the 70s. You got Kalijah Kansi down here, which is another guy that's a first-round prospect that is being buried by guys that you've never heard of before. Then you get down into the 60s, and there's only two of them. Brian Brzee, bottom line, is dead last. He's dead last on this list with a 66. Some of the lowlights, hand on ball percentage, fifth. Uh, holds drawn, sixth. Total points per pass rush, eighth. Per game pass rush, eighth. Um, sacks per game, he's fourth. Sack EPA, sixth. True pressure rate, eighth. Uh, pressure share is eighth. Pressures per game is fifth. And that's that's what he's good at. Then you get into run defense and tackling, He's dead last in uh, points per game, uh, points per snap and points per game. Adjusted tackle depth plus, it says. Uh, Brian Brzee is 10th out of 12th. Tackles for a loss, 7th. Uh, tackles for a loss EPA per game, 9th. And remember, we're talking about defensive tackles that are like 3rd round, 4th round, 5th round, 6th round. He's not even really competitive here. Broken plus missed tackle percentage. So how many times does this guy miss tackles? The second worst is Zach Pickens at 15%. Brian Brzee is dead last at 26%. 26% players are breaking tackles or he's just missing tackles against him. Again, Zach Pickens, 15% is the second worst. He's at 26%. This is garbage. This defensive tackle class is just not very good. <laughs> it's not to say these guys can't be good at some stuff. Brzee, again, um, does rise to the top and I think it's a certain it's a quick pressure rate there you go tied for number one with Kalijah Kansi bottom line is I I just 
I'm not a huge fan of, I guess, taking these defensive tackles super early. We may end up doing it. Maybe we get a Kalijah Kansi. I mean, he's number one in pressures per game, number one in pressure, uh, quick pressure rate, number one in uh, pressure rate, period. So pass rusher Kalijah Kansi might be the best pass rusher among all the defensive tackles. So he might be worth something. He's eighth overall. And the discrepancy there obviously comes down to his run defense, which is just not very good. But that leaves us with the person who was the highest graded by SIS, and that is Mr. Moro Ojomo. He's sitting at uh, consensus 132 right now. So like a fourth-ish, fifth-ish round guy. He does seem to be a little bit more of a run defender. However, um, when you look at pass rush, per rush, number two behind, again, Yaya Diaby, who, let's be honest, is more of an edge rusher. By the way, Yaya is at a 96 out of 99. Moro Ojoma, who's number two, drops all the way down to an 84. Then you got three guys who are at an 81, then Jalen Carter at 80. I hate to beat a dead horse here, but that kind of sucks, right? No, it's awesome. He's elite. Okay, got it. But again, Moro, number two in total points rating per pass rush. But then again, with run defense, number two on the pass rush or the run defense points or whatever at a 99 with Jalen Carter, by the way. Again, this is what you expect from Jalen, except it's run defense and his pass rush apparently isn't very good. So that sucks. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the competition. Maybe it's because they got so much talent everywhere. But I don't know. I just, I expected more from this guy that's like among a group of freaks. He's the freak among the freaks. But I uh, a bit let down on all this, especially since the reason I fell in love with Devontae Wyatt is because his metrics dominated everybody. Like, I did my big board, and he was clearly heads and tails above everybody, and I come over to look at Jalen Carter, and he's like, meh. But anyways, um, kind of a decent, I would say, target for the Packers, because he's not he's, he's kind of in that fourth-round range, which is a money range for the Packers. Competent pass rusher, solid run defender. Again, 99 out of essentially 99 for total points per run snap. Number one also in per game with Scott Matlock, but... Maybe most excitingly, broken plus missed tackle percentage, he has the lowest. He's number one, 5%. Which is pretty cool because he's six foot three, two ninety-two. So he's kind of seen as more of a penetrating, sort of a Dean Lowry replacement, but just happens to be really solid as a run defender. So yeah, that's a good thing. Alright, let's get to edge rushers, which will be all the edge rushers aside from the ones that were mistakenly put at uh, defensive tackle like uh Lucas Van Ness. And look, let, let's just leave it at this. The bottom line here is that the top guys are not necessarily the top guys. Uh, Tyree Wilson, as far as the top guys go, would be maybe the one to highlight. He's tied for second in overall points per play behind Zach Harrison out of Ohio State. Tied for number one with Yasir Abdullah, who's somebody to pay attention to in per game. Um Tyree Wilson's tied with a bunch of guys for number one in pass rush because there's a bunch of 99s. Tyree Wilson, George Tarlus, Drew Sanders, Jeremiah Martin, Zach Harrison, Yusir Abdullah. If there's some pass rushers whose names you're not hearing, we'll get there. Number two in pass rush per game. Uh, number one in pressure rate, plus or minus expected, which is pretty awesome. 11.2% above expected. Second is 95 so the good thing about this, and again, this is like the biggest question I always ask for every position. A lot of times people look at like a highlight, they'll look at a sack and be like, dang, he got him. It's like, dude, that was eight seconds. Why is this even in a highlight reel? That's trash. 
I went to go watch that Yaya Diaby because I'm like, is he an edge rusher or a defensive tackle? He kind of does both. He is inside most of the time, but that, that dude's going to be an edge rusher in the NFL. And they're not going to, I mean, they could, there have been some guys, I forget who the guy's name was, but he was a small, really small guy. And they actually did put him at defensive tackle. But anyways, my question always is, what did you do that nobody else can do? Dude, if that was like four or five seconds when you finally got a sack because the quarterback held onto the ball and then started scrambling and then you got away from the tackle because the tackle has no idea where the quarterback is at this point, I'm not impressed by that. You know, I mean, if you run a route into a vacated area of the zone and catch a pass, I mean, every wide receiver anywhere could have run that route into the open area and then, you know, with the exception of a a handful of drops, done the exact same thing. So it's always for me about what are the things that you can do that are at least, you know, nobody can do is, is a little hyperbolic, but... What are the things you can do that are that are rare, that are impressive? You know, is your speed better? Is your balance better? Is, you know, whatever. That's like I said with uh, Michael Mayer. He's just a dude doing dude stuff, you know? But then you see some of the blocks, and it's like, okay, that was impressive. Then you see the, the catches that look so automatic. It's like, well, that's not what you always see from tight end. And then again, the, the toe tap along the sideline, like that's not a thing I don't think I've ever seen a tight end do, especially at that size. So those are the things I care about. So when you're talking pressure rate plus or minus expected, and he's 11.2% above expected, what are we talking about? He's making sacks that other guys are not making. Uh, Tied for second in quick pressure rate, 6%. Number one in pressures per game at 4.4. Run defense, not as good, not really super good at all. The only one is tackles for a loss per game, which again, every time you see these penetrating pass rushers you that's the one metric you see but his total points tied for uh seventh or no not tied he's seventh so again not super great but again of the top guys this is the guy especially as a pass rusher tyree wilson which of course begs the question where is will anderson well good question um overall grade again we've got uh zach harrison at a 99 um, there are 11 players at a 90 grade out of 29-ish. He's at 14th. Now listen, this is another guy that I just I don't understand the hype for Will Anderson. It's not to say he maybe he's the best pass rusher. That's fine. I don't know who the best pass rusher is. It's probably Will Anderson. But is he just that absolute dominant freak? Is he like Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett or the He's not. He's absolutely not. 14th points per game, 10th. Hand on ball percentage, 20th. Holds drawn, 14th. Pass rush, overall pass rush points. He's tied for 23rd out of 29. Only four players are worse. Pass rush points per game, 16th. Sack rate, 12th. Sacks per game, tied for second, so there you go. Sack EPA per game, 10th. Passes deflected, 10th. Uh, pressure rate, ninth. Pressure plus or minus expected, eighth. Quick pressure rate, twelfth. True pressure rate, tenth. I mean, it's just bad. And then you get to run defense, uh, total points, tenth per game, seventh. Adjusted tackle depth is third. Uh, tackles for a loss is fifth. Again, sort of the, the pass rusher, more of a pass rush emphasis, which, by the way, can be kind of a bad thing because you're kind of giving up contain to try to get upfield, all that kind of stuff. Uh, forced bounce rate, 18th, broken plus missed tackle percentage. He's tied for 26th out of 29. So there's only two uh, players that have worse tackle 
issues. Allie Gay and Drew Sanders. Again, I, I expect significantly better from Will Anderson than this. Again, these are stats. I mean, stats, stats don't necessarily tell the whole story, but if you are by far the most elite pass rusher in football, you're going to be pretty high in a couple of these categories. It's not a coincidence that when you go look at quarterback, for example, there's two quarterbacks that stand out, and it's the best two quarterbacks. That's not an accident. Then you get Miles Murphy, also not very good. He's one spot behind Will Anderson uh, at 15th overall. I don't necessarily want to go through everything, but it's, it's not good. Overall pass rush per snap, 15th. Sack rate, 21st. Pressure rate, tied for 21st. Only four players worse. Pressure rate plus or minus expected, 22nd. Quick pressure rate, dead last. True pressure rate, 22nd. I mean, there are guys you've never heard of who are significantly better than both of these guys as far as the metrics are concerned. And that should really not happen. What about run defense? Is he a good run defender? 16th. Adjusted tackle depth, 23rd. Uh, tackles for a loss, 17th. Uh, did it do forced bounce rate? He's 4th, so there's a thing. Um, number 1, broken plus missed tackle percentage. So he's a good tackler. That's, that's it, though. <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a couple that he grades out a little higher, I guess. Not number 1 in any category. So... Who are the guys maybe to pay attention to that we're not paying attention to? Again, the highest points rating per play, Zach Harrison, currently considered a third-round prospect. Number one overall, number one on hand-on-ball percentage, tied for number one with pass rush with a 99, number one in pass deflections per game. Again, just apparently that's a big thing for him. But I think maybe the, the biggest issue here is that a lot of the reason he's as high as he is is run defense. Um, his pass rush... Not, I mean, again, the total pass rush grade, he's number one, but he's tied with a bunch of guys, whatever. But, I mean, sack rate, 26th, pressures per game, 10th, um, sack EPA, 17th, blah, 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 blah. Pressures, same thing. Run defense, fourth overall, seventh in per game, second in adjusted tackle depth. So I think that's kind of where this is coming from, plus the second best tackler. So there's some good, there's also a lot of bad, but I also think it's just kind of when you compare it to everybody else, he's just better than everybody else. The other guy that ranks highly, that his name comes up somewhat regularly, is Yasir Abdullah. Now, the consensus big board has him listed as an inside linebacker, but his some of his best attributes are pass rush, so I'm not sure that's going to happen. But without going through the whole thing, just know that Yasir Abdullah is... Um, one of the highest graded, fourth overall, um, et cetera, et cetera. Linebackers, it's kind of hard to do this experiment with because there really aren't a ton of linebackers that anybody cares about um, in terms of like, oh, man, I got this crazy take about that first-round guy not being that good. The top linebacker, according to the consensus board, is Drew Sanders, and Drew Sanders is a mid-second-round pick. So we've got like three of these second-round pick guys, Drew Sanders, Jack Campbell, and Trenton Simpson. Then you've got like four third-rounders, and, and then it's just down from there. So there, there's just there's not a lot of linebackers, at least on the top end. So it, there's not going to, again, not going to be a lot of hot takes. I guess the one thing I will point out, they differentiate between middle linebacker and weak side linebacker. Jack Campbell is the one that they list as a middle linebacker. Drew Sanders, they had back in the edge rusher category. 
And then Trenton Simpson they have in weak side linebacker. So I can't even compare them because they have them in three different categories. So we're kind of just going to skip linebacker. How does that sound? Then we get to corner. Um, the two top guys, Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. As far as overall points per play, there's three guys at the top. Devin Witherspoon is one of them at 99. Christian Gonzalez is right behind them at a 98. Points per game, Witherspoon second, Christian Gonzalez fourth. So again, kind of hanging in there. But throughout this... I'm seeing more Devin Witherspoon, which is, again, the guy that I like. Uh, He's tied for number one in pass coverage, second in pass coverage total points per game, number one in yards per coverage, snap tied, number one in EPA per target, not tied. A couple other of the highlights, uh, fourth in yards allowed per game. This is out of 18, by the way. Number one in pass breakups per game, fourth in completed air yards per game, tied for second in um, points per game, I guess, from the slot. He's actually tied with Christian Gonzalez, which is interesting. Don't really think of either of them as slots, but apparently they're both very good at it. Uh, He's also second in coverage points from the boundary. Man can do it all. Number one in zone coverage yards per snap. Number four in man coverage yards per snap. So he's zone and man, he can handle it. Which is good because that was one of the things I said about Devin Witherspoon is, you know, he's kind of a big physical guy. Is he going to be another one of those man coverage guys, you know, that um, is going to be in the wrong scheme fit. Well, he's fourth in man and number one in zone. The tackling, surprisingly, is as big and physical as he is, is maybe the worst. He's tied for ninth in run defense uh, and tied for 10th in broken and missed tackles with Joey Porter. So very solid. Christian Gonzalez, again, not quite as high, but um, certainly fairly high. He's uh, fourth, but essentially second behind these three tied number ones here. I think the biggest issue I have with Christian Gonzalez is, um, although he doesn't grade out super terribly overall, where you see him rank highly is in two major areas. Run defense and tackling. He's number one in in broken missed tackles. Number two in run defense. Um, He grades out highly in the slot. Third in the slot. Second in the slot per game. Where he doesn't grade out very high is just coverage in the pass coverage category. Tied for sixth uh, points per coverage snap, seventh per game, yards per coverage snap, seventh, EPA per target, 12th out of 18, average depth of target, 10th, deserved catch rate, 11th, yards after the catch per completion, 7th, receptions allowed per game, 9th, yards allowed per game, 8th, completed air yards per game, 10th, pass breakups per game, 7th. That's not super uh, inspiring when obviously he's considered sort of a shutdown. Like he's not as so weird because he's not as big and physical, but he's a great corner. But then you look at it and according to the stats, it's like, well, no, he's actually the good tackler, but he's just not as good in coverage. Like what? I mean, statistically, I don't know what else to tell you. It's just, I'm just reading the numbers. Um, And then I think a guy to keep an eye on here, and it's not like he's necessarily flying under the radar entirely, but um, definitely stands out well above where he's ranked because you got Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, Keely Ringo, blah, 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 blah. It's actually uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, who is sort of a third-round prospect. He is climbing the boards. He just jumped 10 spots, but um, tied for number one points overall. Number one in points per game. Third hand-on ball percentage. Number one, tied for number one in uh, points per coverage snap. Number one, uh, pass coverage per game. Tied for number one, yards per coverage snap. Third in EPA per target behind Witherspoon and Clark Phillips. 
second in average depth of target, tied for number one in deserved catch rate, number one in yards after the catch per completion, fourth in yards allowed per game, fifth in yards, uh, uh, fourth in receptions, fifth in yards per game, second in pass breakups per game behind only Devin Witherspoon, f- uh, fourth in uh, slot usage, fifth in coverage snap points from the slot, so not bad. However, points per game when out wide, number one ahead of Devin Witherspoon. Press percentage, which I believe is just usage, he was 14th. Yeah, so it's not bad at it, just wasn't used in that capacity very much. However, points when in press, third. Man coverage yards per snap, second. Zone coverage yards per snap, tied for fifth with Christian Gonzalez. Run defense and tackling, points per run defense, number one. Broken plus missed tackle percentage, tied for number two. I mean, the the guy dominates everything. Coverage, tackling, the whole nine yards. I mean, it's just, I, I, I would say, if not Devin Witherspoon, Travius Hodges Tomlinson is the best corner via SIS. So again, if you're looking for that dude, this be that dude, and it's not even close. One other name to keep an eye on is Julius Brents out of uh, KSU. Another guy that is um, not necessarily under the radar, second round prospect out of Kansas State. But another guy that is tied for number one, points per coverage snap, fourth per game, number one average depth of target, sixth in EPA per target, fourth in receptions allowed per game, fourth in coverage snaps out wide, and also, again, good tackler. So not nearly as impressive, but he's another one of those guys. So there's three guys that have a 99 on their total points overall. Witherspoon, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, and Julius Brents. But Witherspoon and Hodges Tomlinson are the guys you need to keep an eye on. As I've been saying, I'm not a big fan of Joey Porter when I watched him. Just didn't like him at all. Um, I mean, he seems, again, he seems like a great dude. He's got a, I think people are going to fall in love with his, like, physique, as weird as that sounds. Like, he's built like an absolute freak. So maybe he can be built into something, maybe kind of a high ceiling guy. But um, points per play out of 18th, he ranks 12th. Points per game, 16th. Hand on ball percentage, number one. So that, again, he's got the flashy stats. He's got the build. He's got all the attributes and all the, you know, it's, it's like if you're built and you get a bunch of sacks, people are going to love you. But I just I just don't necessarily love the uh, play. Total points per coverage snap, 13th per game, 14th. I mean, it's just, it's 13th, uh, 18th average depth of target. Um, deserved catch rate is third, which is pretty good, I guess. It's not all bad, but it's just it's just not good. It's just not very good at all. I mean, if you look at him in the slot, as far as points, 17th. If you look at him uh, outside, 13th. So not that great. The The only area where he did grade out fairly well was uh, press, just strictly a press guy. Again, he's long arms, big physical dude, but he was even that sixth behind Keely Ringo, behind Eli Ricks, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, Deontay Banks, Riley Moss. I, I want to like um, Joey Porter, but I just I just don't. I don't even as big and physical as he is. Run defense fifteenth, broken missed tackles tenth. I just I can't get into it. And Keely Ringo likewise. I'm not going to go through all his stuff, but it's not good. Not a big fan. Not not whatsoever. Um, I do really like Mr. Um, Devin Witherspoon, and I have not yet checked out Travis Hodges Tomlinson, but I absolutely will be doing that. Finally, safety, and of course my buddy Brian Branch, as you know, 
I just can't quite get into it. Maybe SIS can talk me into it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Brian Branch is kind of the only real big prospect. Very possible the Packers take him. I won't say probable, but it is a potential thing. He is second overall points per uh, per play, second in per game. Points per coverage snap, he's fifth, which isn't terrible. It's out of 24, but, you know, again, it's not necessarily like, oh, dang, he's so good. Lined up in the slot percentage. Again, this is not how good you are. It's just usage. He's number one, which, again, there's a lot of talk about Branch maybe just being a slot corner as opposed to being a safety. That's where he was a lot of the time. But average depth of target, 15th. Uh, Deserved catch rate, 15th. Yards per target, 8th. Passes broken up per game, 7th. Interceptions per game, 8th. Uh, blitz percentage, which again is usage, second. So he was in the slot a lot and he blitzed a lot. Pressure percentage, seventh out of seven. So he's dead last. Uh, Antonio Johnson, 44%. He was at 18%. So he was blitzed a lot. He just wasn't very good at it. Pressures per game, fifth out of uh, 22, 3, 4. And then sacks per game, he was third. So that would be his one solid area. So uh, did they convince me to start liking Brian Branch? They did not. I'm sorry, that was a massive fail. Um, I just can't get into it. Now, who should we maybe be interested in? It's kind of like a lot of these other positions where it's all over the place, depending on kind of like what you're looking for. I will tell you, overall points per play, Darius Joyner. Oddly enough, he's not even on the consensus big board, so that's probably not a great sign that uh, he's going to go early. But the stats is what they is. It is worth noting, though, his top assets are clearly pass rush and run defense, not coverage so much. In fact, he's quite terrible at it, which is probably why he's um, not even considered a prospect because people watch him in coverage and go, this guy's not very good at stuff. So let's go just group by group because that's, you know, again, when it's just kind of a mishmash, that's the best way I can think to do it. Um, Pass coverage, which probably is what we should care about the most. My preference is JL Skinner. Third-ish, fourth-ish round prospect. Even in these subcategories, you kind of got to pick your favorite flavors. But number one in points rating per coverage snap, and then number one in deserved catch rate, which is kind of a cool metric because it basically means that the ball was thrown to the receiver and the receiver was open. If it was a bad pass, if the receiver dropped it, it doesn't really matter. The receiver should have caught it. He earned that because he got open and away from you. JL Skinner's the only one below 50%. He's at 44% deserved catch rate. If you like the flashy stats, Sidney Brown is your guy, number one in uh, passes broken up per game, number one in interceptions per game. If you're looking at uh, pass rush, Jair Brown could have two Jairs on the team. Uh, Blitz percentage, so he's used the most in that capacity, 12%, the only one above Brian Branch. Pressures per game, he's number one. Sacks per game, he's number one. Now, pressure percentage, it's actually Antonio Johnson, which is somewhat of a bigger name, second round prospect-ish, maybe, who knows. And then as far as run defense, Antonio Johnson is a good name. Darius Joyner is a good name. Brian Branch is a good name. Those are probably the three top guys as far as run defense. But again, do I want Brian Branch? You're out of your freaking mind. No, thank you. Anyways, that's it as far as SAS is concerned and some uh, hopefully some interesting prospects for you to check out and look at that you haven't looked at already. Or maybe you want to go back and look at it and reevaluate. I don't know what you want to do. You figure that out. But why don't we go ahead and take a break and uh, we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Anyways, there's plenty to talk about. I want to start with a couple messages I got on uh, the Patreons. Uh, First off with Mr. Matthew Herbert, who just upped his pledge. Um, Again, thank you for that. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. But Matt Herbert um, sent me a pretty long message talking about essentially leverage. I know, I know, you're tired of hearing about it. Let's let's be honest. Let, can we just be honest? You're not tired of hearing about leverage. Are, are people actually serious when they say, I never want to hear leverage again? Dude, why are you mad at leverage? It's a great word. It means money. It means draft picks, baby. Give me that leverage. It's like saying I hate hearing people talk about rich. Don't talk about rich. Don't talk about money and wealth and success and happiness and fame and fortune. I hate those words. I'm so sick of hearing about it. No, you're not. You love it. You sick, dirty dog. You dirty, dirty dog. You love it. You want to rub that leverage all over your body. Yeah, you do. You're sick. Anyways, let's talk about leverage. And this is interesting enough. It, it in a way, is kind of what uh, J.J. Leahy mentioned on Twitter. He put something on Twitter, and Jets fans lost their freaking mind, started threatening his family and everything else. Um, they they, they, they kind of snap. But this is, in a sense, in support of what he had said. But let me, let me just read what he says here. I'm going to read it in its totality. He says, Hey, Ryan, thought about calling into After Dark, but I think I'd have trouble keeping everything straight, so I'm just going to write it out. Fair enough. I heard you mention Thomas Sowell a couple times, and since I'm a fan as well, I've got a bit of an econ background. I figured this take might be up your alley. As soon as I saw that, I was like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like this. He says, I think there are two big misunderstandings about the Rodgers trade. One, Rodgers can't prevent a trade, not just because he doesn't have a no-trade clause. 
I think everyone can agree the Packers see Rodgers plus his contract as a major liability right now. I'm not sure they'd want to keep him around on a minimum contract, never mind a $40 million one. If that is the case, and the Packers can structure a trade to remove the risk of Rodgers' retirement, for example, let's say Packers give the 49ers Rodgers um, and a fifth-round pick. If Rodgers plays in 2023, the 49ers instantly become Super Bowl favorites, and then they'd, in return, they'd send picks for 2024 back to the Packers. If Rodgers decides to stay retired, then the 49ers get a free fifth-round pick, and the, and the Packers get to remove their biggest liability from the roster uh, for a day-three pick. He says that might... Uh, that offer might be less value than what the Jets are currently willing to offer. Which brings me to point number two. In order for the Jets to increase their offer, the Packers do not need to convince them that another team can outbid them. What determines trade value is not the fact that both teams would be better off with, a tra uh, with the trade. Both teams thinking that they are better off is just the minimum requirement of a trade. In other words, no team is making a trade that they think makes the team worse off. So the Packers and Jets both want to make this happen. That's why there's a trade. Got it. What determines the final value of the trade, or to use the final uh, the word of the day, what determines who has the leverage, is each team's next best alternative. The Packers only need to convince the Jets that they, the Packers, are willing to walk away and take the next best offer for Rodgers, leaving the Jets in a very tough spot. In econ terms, they need to convince the Jets that the Jets have a much higher opportunity cost than the Packers. And people have been talking about this a lot. Who gets hurt more if the team walks away? He then says, to use a common and often misapplied analogy, let's say I'm walking through the desert with an extra bottle of water that I bought for a dollar. I stumble upon you dying of thirst with a thousand dollars in your pocket. Because I'm, cold -heart because I'm a cold-hearted bastard who only cares about maximizing my trade value, the price of my water bottle is now a thousand dollars. The reason isn't because I think it's worth a thousand dollars, or I wouldn't still benefit if I were to sell it for less, or someone else is willing to pay more than a thousand dollars. Those are not the reason. The reason is because if the trade falls through, my next best alternative is carrying around an extra water bottle, and your next best alternative is dying of thirst. So, in other words, if, if I could try to sum this up as, as best as I could, the Packers are looking at the Jets. They say, listen, I really want from you a first-round pick plus da-da-da-da-da, and we can't come to a determination. The Packers have the ability to look at them and say, look, we, we really got to offload this guy. Maybe this isn't going to work. I, I, I'm, I'm getting some offers from the 49ers, and I think I'm going to go in that direction. There doesn't need to be an offer of two first round picks in order to sort of suddenly make another offer a threat, right? Like in this analogy, I want to get this water bottle out of my pocket. I'm trying to walk and it's uncomfortable. It's a minor inconvenience. And if I, I, I could happily give it to somebody for $5 if I wanted to, give it to somebody for a buck if I wanted to, I get my dollar back and I don't have this thing in my pocket. My whole thing is I'm just trying to offload this. I want to get it away from me. That's the biggest thing that I want. The price for the Jets might be different than a price for another team. Now, it wouldn't be the 49ers because we would want more from the 49ers and the Jets, I'm assuming. But the question really is, what are you willing to pay? And, and the valuation of what you're willing to pay isn't really even necessarily Aaron Rodgers. It's your situation. And by the way, part of that situation is things like the GM going on a stupid television show saying, yeah, he's coming here. He's definitely coming here because it raises the opportunity cost. That is to say, how much do you stand to lose if we walk away from this deal? And every time they open their mouth, they stand to lose more, which means the price for you is more expensive. Now, another team that has a bunch of other options, we'd probably offer less because we know that they're going to not want to pay as much. But you, I know you got the money. I know you have the ability. And I know you have the need. The question isn't necessarily what is Rogers worth. The question is what is Rogers worth to you?
just like in this analogy. The question isn't what is the water bottle worth? The question is what is the water bottle worth to a sty uh, a a person dying of thirst? It's another question I had, I had thought about before. I don't know if this is a common thing or whatever, but in just in terms of value. You know, you think about these new iPhones or whatever that come out cost like a thousand bucks, at least that's my roughly, let's say. I don't know what they cost these days. That's the value of an iPhone. If you took the best the the newest iPhone out to the middle of the Sahara Desert, the middle of, who knows, the, the, the jungles of Peru. Take them to a pygmy island. I, I don't know. Somewhere where there's basically no civilization. How much are they going to pay you for that phone? Granted, they don't have much, but even if they had the money, if you gave them $1,000, would they give you that $1,000 back for the phone? They don't want the phone. There's no internet. Nobody they know has phones. It has no value. It's a hunk of glass and metal and computer chips and everything. It's just, it, it, it's useless. It doesn't have value. Now, conversely, you go down into some grungy basement where some, you know, woman is being held captive by a mass serial killer and she has 50 grand in her bank account. She will give you $50,000 for that phone because she needs to call the police to get out of there. I'm not saying you should charge that. You should probably just call the police yourself and maybe help her get out of there. But that's, that's just, I'm just giving examples of, of what he's talking about. And this is why, by the way, Packer fans always talk. Every time they talk, we, we keep saying things like the price went up, the price went up. And Jets fans don't get it. No, it didn't. You're so stupid. You need to get rid of them too. We both, and that's, that's the thing that everybody's missing in the meat. Well, both, both sides have leverage. Both teams need to get this done. Yeah, that's true, but you're missing the point. Which team stands to lose the most if the, if the deal falls through? It's the Jets. And that's leaving aside the part where we still have additional options. It's still possible he could retire or we could, we could send him to another team. I mean, honestly, if this deal did fall through, that probably is what would happen. The Packers would drop the price through the floor and give him away for like a fifth round pick or whatever anybody would be willing to offer us because we have to offload him. Which, again, just really goes to show his value is, is nothing to the Packers. He doesn't have any value. The Packers would happily give him away for free. They'd give him away for a seventh-round pick. They don't want him here. It's not about what the Packers value him as. The Packers aren't saying he's worth to us a first-round and, and a second-round and players. He's worth nothing to us. The question is, what is he worth to you? And so, yeah, just the simple threat that... If this doesn't work, we'll turn around and give him to the uh, the Panthers for a fifth-round pick. Well, why would you do that? Because we just have to offload him. Well, then why don't you give him to us for a fifth? Because that's not what you're willing to pay. That's why. I know what he's worth to you, and I want that amount. So, Matt, I appreciate that. Anyways, final thing, I wanted to kind of marry together a couple different uh, thoughts here. And it's, it's kind of um, on a slightly different vein than that, which is, you know, the, the fact that the um, value is is sort of variable and dependent on different factors, right? However, there, I think there might be a way to kind of evaluate the static value, right? For example, the $1,000 for the iPhone, right? We know what the Jets will pay, and we know what the Packers think he's worth. Like, we, we kind of get those two values, but we don't know the, the cost of the iPhone. What is Aaron Rodgers worth? And I hadn't really, I, I've been thinking about it constantly like how do we have how could we evaluate that you know we know like trade value and that kind of stuff but how do you incorporate players and then i saw something that kind of triggered it and and there's it's kind of a two for one here because um the thought in and of itself is worth talking about and we will but again it, it kind of got me to this point i needed to be so um peter bukowski tweeted this um on twitter 
He said, when the Packers took Jordan Love over a wide receiver, I said, if Jordan Love plays and is decent, he will be more valuable in two years than any wide receiver would be over the life of their rookie contract. T. Higgins has generated 80 total points in his career per SIS. 13 quarterbacks did that last year. Now, it's worth talking about just this, because we've talked about a thousand times the value of quarterbacks, and, and that, that falls on deaf ears of everybody that, that, you know, I don't care, I didn't want a quarterback, we should have taken a wide receiver, this is stupid, blah, blah, blah. The fact that quarterbacks are so much more valuable than every other position should absolutely not go unnoticed. And again, just to give you the full magnitude of how much more valuable quarterbacks are than, let's say, wide receivers, T. Higgins, who is the best wide receiver in that class, has generated 80 total points via SIS. That is the value that he's generated in his career for his team. 13 quarterbacks did that just last year. Not over the quarter, not in that same time span, in one year. That is to say, essentially... If Jordan Love has, an, has a mediocre season, he will have generated what T. Higgins did in the three years that Jordan Love was sitting on the bench. Again, there is nothing more valuable than making sure you have a quarterback. Now, again, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you were to draft somebody like Jordan Love, that would probably be a waste, not because quarterbacks aren't valuable, but because quarterbacks on the bench aren't valuable. And you can say, well, that's my whole point with Jordan Love. Okay, but here's... The question, and by the way, here are the quarterbacks that generated that. Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton, Geno Smith, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, and Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes, by the way, generated 180.26 points. Rodgers was slightly outside of that, 70.8. But again, even if, let's let's just say, so so T. Higgins in three years has generated 80 points, right? That's 26. Let's just round up. Let's say it's 30 points per year he's generating. If Jordan Love has a subpar year, let's say he is, um, I don't know, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett generated 62.88 points. So Jordan Love will be at 63. T. Higgins will be at 80 plus 30, which is 110. The next year, T. Higgins, 140. Jordan Love, about 125. In year three, this mediocre to subpar quarterback has generated more points, more value for the team than T. Higgins has. Now, you could say, well, that's not necessarily true because you can find garbage quarterbacks anywhere, whatever. Okay, how about points above replacement? Looking again at Jacoby Brissett, his points above replacement quarterbacks was 50. T. Higgins this year generated 27 points, above replacement, 22. So it's still double the amount of value, even above replacement. Then you have to factor in, okay, he missed three years. That's just an absolute abomination. It's horrible. The guy's, what, 24 years old? He could easily play 10 years. Not a problem. For a quarterback, 34, not a problem. 10 years. We're talking 50 points above replacement per year, 500 points. T. Higgins will have to play for 23 years to generate that value. There's just nothing like quarterbacks. If you need a quarterback any time in the near future, taking a wide receiver over what you believe to be a franchise quarterback, a guy that you think can genuinely take the helm and will be taking the helm at some point in the near future, you are an idiot. 
And one of the guys I was arguing with, and I'm, I'm sure most people wouldn't agree with this, but he was telling me that he would happily take a guy like LaVisca Chenault if he could go back over Jordan Love. Because LaVisca Chenault, although his career has deteriorated into nothingness, produced a decent amount of value as a rookie, maybe enough value to get us over the hump in that last game, not necessarily winning a Super Bowl, but who knows, maybe, maybe just enough to get us over the hump, and maybe we go on to win a Super Bowl that year. And to him, that's worth it. Despite the fact that Jordan Love is about to take the helm as quarterback of this team, which means he is going to be generating a massive amount of value. And if he's good, he's going to overtake. I mean, how, how, how hard is it going to be to overtake what he, even this year, if he generates another 30? That puts him at 110. Jalen Hurts was at 106. If he plays at Jalen Hurts level, he's basically done what T. Higgins has done over the, his entire career. In four years, Jordan Love did it in a year. Don't really expect that, but if he's up there with Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Tua, Trevor, Justin, Mahomes, don't really expect Mahomes, but any of those guys, one year, if he's good. If he's not, it might take two years or three years. But again, the the short-sighted notion that I don't care about the long-term value that he would provide to this team and the potential joy that can be brought for another 10, 15 years of the Packers actually being a team capable of winning a Super Bowl. That isn't as important to me as what in my mind would be a guaranteed Super Bowl. In other words, we were already close and this could have got us a little bit closer and maybe we could have got that one Super Bowl. I don't care if we'd be terrible for the next 10 years because maybe we find a quarter, maybe it's more important to me. This I want it now mentality, which is really weird because the people who are this I want it now people are mad that right now is better off because we took Jordan Love over T. Higgins. Our right now today is better. If you care about now, then be focused about now. But you're so mad about the now from several years ago, you can't let it go. Because not only are you a I want it now person, but you hold a grudge that is just unbelievable. Our now today is significantly better because we took Jordan Love. I don't think there's any possible way that you could dispute that. Any possible way. What is our situation right now if we didn't draft Jordan Love? We don't have a quarterback. There, uh, We've already gone over this. There are no quarterbacks that were drafted in the range where the Packers are drafting that are playing at any level that is considered franchise quarterback worthy. And if you say Brock Purdy, I'm going to heel kick you in the throat. He is not a franchise quarterback. That guy is never going to be Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or freaking any of that. But anyways, this brought me to think about value. When you trade a player... Why don't we look at total points? How much value are you going to give me? So, for example, with Aaron Rodgers, it's actually pretty easy. Because if we look at it and say it's just one year, and the Packers could say, you know what, it was just a bad... And by the way, this is a big reason why you downplay all the bad play from Rodgers and say, no, 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 it was the receiver's fault, it was the offensive line's fault, it was the broken thumb's fault, it was all that stuff. Because the difference between MVP Aaron Rodgers, let's say he's number one, so you put him up there with Pat Mahomes, we're talking 180 pushing 200 total points, which again, top wide receivers are getting 30, 40. You're talking like five times the value of a top wide receiver. So like it would take four Devontae's to make one MVP Rodgers. That's a lot of value. Even if you can't quite get the 180, if you're talking 120, Justin Jefferson was 46. Devontae, we got a first and a second. He was 45, right? But here's the other thing. Devontae isn't just 45 though. You got to also remember it's not just Devontae, it's Devontae over how many years? So if we're getting Devontae for four years, and let's say we round down and say he's not going to do this every year, so we'll call it 40, 
we're seeing this is like 120 points worth of value, first and a second. Now you have to subtract the contract, right? There, there's, there's the negatives and all that kind of stuff. And it's the same with Rodgers. So it's, it's the total value you're going to bring minus the contract. And then you got to factor all that in. But the point is, I think that there's something actually tangible here that we could sink our teeth into. And um, anybody that wants to uh, undertake this project, let me know and let's do this. We got to figure out a way to look at point and, you know, look at historical data to see what players or, and you could look at the contract. If it was a four-year contract, okay, then you expect, let's just say that then you it's expected four years. And this is a person that you, the expected value is 20. So the total points expected is about an 80. What is 80 worth? Okay, it's this minus the contract. There's got to be a way. I mean, really, you could just go ba- back through the last several trades and say, here's the player. You probably have to factor, no, no, you wouldn't have to factor in position because that's built into the points earned. You put in the points, multiply it by the years of the contract. And then just put the total uh, value of the contract in there as well. So it would be this value minus this value. Just make a huge list and then have the thing figure out a correlation there or something. I don't know. And then that number would correlate to the draft trade value chart. So you obviously wouldn't get an output of like a first and a second. But whatever the number is, you correlate that to, you know, it's worth 3,500 points. Okay, well, 3,000 is a first. 500 is what, a second? So... First and a second. I think this is doable. But anyways, again, I was very excited to think about that because, again, there is sort of a tangible way to look at overall value that is outputted by a player to get a actual cost. The iPhone is $1,000. This player is worth a first and, a, you know, Aaron Rodgers is worth three first-round picks. However, massive contract, you got to kind of drop that down, whatever. I don't have an answer on that, but if I could figure it out, the good thing is, then you kind of say, this is his actual value. Again, to me, he's worth nothing. To the Packers, he's worth nothing. To the Jets, he's worth a lot. But his actual value will kind of at least give us a baseline to what the Packers should get. And then we can kind of look at it and say, okay, here is, um, here's the worth. Did they get a good value? Did they get a bad value? Anyways, again, I find that all interesting. Uh, it's important to contextualize how much more valuable quarterbacks are, number one. But then again, number two, I think we can kind of do some cool stuff with that information. But I'm not doing it by myself. Let me know. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.